Yeah. It's December. You can always tell when it's December. It gets quieter, doesn't it, James, as the year unfolds? Hey, listen, obviously with Christmas coming up and we've just finished our Christmas play, I've been sitting in Luke as we're writing our script and looking at what Luke wrote about the account of Jesus. And I knew I was preaching in a couple of weeks and I thought, oh, God, what do you want me to talk about? I was thinking, oh, the God of miracles. You know, he was the God of miracles born. I thought, oh, what a season it is, you know. We, we always talk about Christmas as a season of miracles, don't we? But you know what? God really challenged me. He said, you know what? You're not going into a season of miracles. You should be living in a realm of miracles. Your life should be so full of the presence of God that you're living in a life full of miracles. So I just want to take a couple of moments just to look at miracles, what that looks like, what that looks like for us to live in that realm, what we need to be doing, and just some things from, the, from obviously the scriptures in Luke and the Christmas story as to the miracles that unfold and some of the little secrets that are sort of hidden in the scriptures there. So, miracles. Miracles. The dictionary says that a miracle is an extraordinary and welcomed event that is not expl- explicable by nature, a natural or scientific law, and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. And that's, that's the world's view of what a, um, a miracle is. So I just want to start before we go into the word miracle. I'm, I'm talking about miracles as in healings, as in Jesus walking on the water, Jesus feeding the 5,000. A lot of scholars actually don't attribute those as miracles under the term miracle, they might the feeding of the 5,000, but they talk more about miracles as in creation and wonders. But when I'm talking tonight, I'm actually going to be talking about miracles as in healings, what God did, the different things that he did. So an encounter with God that changed somebody, an extraordinary but welcomed event that changed a life, okay? So I just wanted to put that out there. Sadly, unfortunately, a lot of people don't believe that God still does miracles, And I think that that's where a lot of this concept has come, that they think, yeah, Jesus walked on the water, that was a miracle. Yeah, Jesus fed the 5,000, but healing someone, that's that's just a healing. That's not really a miracle. And I kind of go, oh, could we get so confused? Like God healed people, that's a miracle. God changed the life of a young woman, you know, raised someone from the dead, that's a miracle. God came and did something extraordinary in the presence, in his presence. Wasn't that right? So do we still believe in the God of miracles is my question to you. I think on a Sunday night in December, on the 16th of December, if you're here, you believe in miracles. (laughs) Would I be right? So I'm preaching to the church. All right. So how do we live a life of miracles? Prayer is my first point. I just want to look at, uh, if you want to turn to Luke 1, 1 and 2, I'm going to sort of sit there. There was a man by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Pastor James touched on this briefly in a message a couple of weeks ago. This really touched my heart about a man who'd prayed for a child with his wife wife Elizabeth who was barren for such a long time. She'd even gone past her childbearing years, but yet somewhere in his heart, maybe he was thinking, I remember praying for that God. But then God did a miracle. So let's just have a look at that encounter. So Zechariah, I'm sorry, Zechariah, Luke 1. 11, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense where Zechariah saw him. Well, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. 
Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you will call him John and he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. So I'm kind of going to think it's been a while since Zechariah's actually been praying for a son. I don't think he was praying about it last week and I don't think it's been on his prayer list for maybe the last couple of months or years, perhaps if his wife had gone beyond their childbearing years. And the point is that God still... Here's our prayers that we've prayed. We may not pray them, but God still hears those unanswered prayers. What we need to be doing is continually connecting with God. If we want to live in the realm of miracles, miracles don't have to be boom out there. Sometimes there's a heart miracle. Sometimes there's a life-changing miracle. Um, so, you know, it's not always an outward miracle that we get to see. But here in this man, in his heart, he had this prayer where he'd been sharing his desires with God. He'd been sharing what he thought maybe was ahead for him and his wife. So he's quick to meet us. And even though maybe Zechariah didn't think it was a quick timing, he was a little bit old. And that's okay. That's okay. God can do it. That's why it's a miracle. And yet this was the person that was to foretell the coming Christ. Six months he was born earlier than his cousin Jesus and he was the one who was going to foretell the coming Christ and the Messiah. We have another, another encounter of, a, it's not so much a prayer but maybe a song that Mary did in Luke 1.54. How many of you remember the Israelites cried out? They cried out to God for a miracle. They cried out for their saviour. They cried out for their Messiah. And then some several hundred years later from even the prophets, God heard their prayers. How many, of you, how many of them do you think were actually praying on a regular basis for their Messiah? Gets a little bit long-winded, doesn't it? It's a little bit like praying for the second coming. For those of us that have been around, isn't that true? We've been praying for it, kind of not happening, but yeah, we'll bring it up every now and then when we're thinking about it. And yep, God, let your kingdom come on this earth. You know... As, as Christians, God hears our prayer. It doesn't matter if it was two years ago, 20 years ago. God has heard your prayer. You pray for a miracle, your opportunity for him to come through and change something. There's another man by the name of Cornelius. Now, he wasn't a Jew, but he was a man who, who believed in God and he prayed to God. So this guy wasn't a Jew. He was actually um, a centurion, a soldier. And um, his account is actually found in Acts 10, 31, if you're taking notes. So he actually was praying to God. And then as a result of his prayer to God, he had a vision. And God sent Peter to him, gave Peter a vision. And Peter came and told him all about Jesus and all the things that Jesus had done. Now, his theology pro probably wasn't right. You know, he probably had a few little messed up little ideas as to what maybe Jesus was. He wasn't involved in the whole process of everything that Jesus did when he walked the earth, but he knew that there was something in his heart that, you know, he was hungry. And even though he probably didn't know what to pray, God answered a prayer that was in his heart. So I want us to just think, when we want to live a life of miracles, some of those prayers that we're praying, we don't quite understand them. We kind of don't know what to pray, but yet we're praying for God to come through. We're praying for God to change us, to make us, to shape us. When we're praying about God, I don't know what this is, but help me through it, that we would just hold on and know that God is at work with every prayer that you've ever prayed. 
Everything may not be answered the way you expect, but don't ever, don't ever not pray a prayer thinking that God has not heard you. God has heard every prayer that you've prayed. He's heard every desire. He's heard every cry. We all have a heart cry at some point throughout our lives that um, we want God to come through it for us. Usually if you're praying, then you're connecting with God on a regular basis. And you know what? Maybe you don't know the full extent of what it is, but I generally find it'll give you the next step. I prayed prayers that I have to admit I've let them wane over the years. And then 15 years later, God answers it. And I go, yeah, I kind of gave up on that one. But yet God was faithful. I want to ask you, what are the prayers you've been praying that you haven't been praying lately? What are the prayers that you've got hidden in your heart for a miracle that, that you know is there, but you just maybe haven't been bringing them up lately with God? Do you let the disappointment or the, or the maybe you just don't think God's hearing you? He's hearing you. But just, I want you to think, just take a minute, think about some of those prayers, some of those loved ones we've been praying for for decades. God's hearing your prayer. God's going to answer your miracle. Just don't give up. My second point, how do we live a life of miracles? So we have a, we have a prayer life. We want to be praying and speaking out those things that we want God to do. My next one is expectation. So how do we live a life of miracles? We have an expectation without limits or ex, um, expectation, sorry. So in other words, no boundaries about how God's going to do it. No limits as to the extent of where the miracle will stop. Sometimes we pray for a miracle and we think God's only going to do the first part, but then he over exceedingly abundantly provides more than what we've ever asked. That's what the word God says. He provides over exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask. So if you come with an expectation, you can know that God's going to do that and then some and then some more. Let's look at a couple of examples in the Bible. So we've got the cripple man. How many of you remember the cripple man who went into the temple? He hid his hand underneath his, his skirt and he was in the temple and Jesus asked him to pull out his hand. He reached out his hand and Jesus healed him. So with him, he was healed in a physical sense. He was healed emotionally because he'd actually been barred from being in the temple. He actually wasn't meant to be there. And then he was restored spiritually because he was actually then allowed to go back into the presence of God. So a lot of these encounters where Jesus heals someone wasn't just the encounter of a physical healing. Let's have a look at the blind man. He spat in the ground. Do you know why he did that? Do you know that they used to be allowed to spit on blind people in the Old Testament? As they're walking down the street, you could spit on a blind man. Isn't that terrible? How degrading. So yet Jesus then goes to spit in the ground. He's come up to Jesus for healing and all he hears is Jesus going to spit in the ground. And he rubs the spit in with the dirt and rubs it on his eyes and then he's healed. The very thing that was used for shame, then Jesus turned around for good. If you want to hear a little bit more about that, Chris Valentine does a whole series on all the healings in the Bible and how God used the very thing that people brought to shame someone. He then used that and that was their healing and that experience. The leper. He touched the leper. You know you weren't allowed to touch lepers? 
But the very thing people were not allowed to do is the very thing Jesus went and did. He went and touched a leper. He restored him. He, he gave touch to a man who hadn't been touched probably for decades or years. You imagine the restoration that comes with that. Zacchaeus, he wasn't sick. He was a little man nobody liked. And he hid up a tree, but yet Jesus found him, called him out by name, didn't shame him, said, I'm going to come and eat at your place. The expectation, he had an expectation he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus didn't just see him, he went and met with him and he went and ate with him and he went and brought him into his household and into his family. And as a result of that experience, a miracle occurred. Actually, several miracles occurred. His whole family got saved. He became extremely generous. So we can limit miracles by our own expectation. So the Christmas story is obviously full of miracles. How many of you can name a few? So we have the angels that appeared to the shepherds, told them all about the son that had been born. We've got the two miraculous births. We've got Elizabeth and Zachariah. And we've got Jesus' conception. We've got the star that led the wise men. We don't have to have it all figured out to come, expecting that God can do what God needs to do in our lives. If we want to live a life of miracles, we just need to come going, you know, God, I know that you need to work in this part. I, I want you to do something in my family. I don't know what it is. I know you can do it. But if we come with too many expectations, it has to be done a certain way or it has to be done in our own time frame, then we limit God in what he can do because he wants to give over and above all that we could ever have or want. How many of you find people categorise miracles? You know what I mean? Oh, this one's just an easy one. I've just got the flu. And then we're raising people from the dead. Okay? There's no real category in miracles. There's one that's not more important than the other to have a family member come to Christ, to have someone raised from the dead. God is working miracles. Let's never talk down what God can do. Have you ever, you ever heard people go, oh, I think God healed me? And he did, but then it's sort of they talk themselves out of it a little bit. Yeah. We need to be confident that God is healing us, that God is moving in our lives. Don't, don't ever not expect him to do something. Our third point, if we want to live a life of miracles, we need to live under the shadow of the Holy Spirit. This is my favourite point of, of the whole Christmas story. We have this beautiful young girl, Mary, and, and she's had this angel appear to her. And she says that God's gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her. And that's the place where we need to live. That's the place where miracles occur. So the place where God deposits into our heart promises, seeds of what's to come, those expectations, even though we don't understand them, what, of what it could look like. So when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus was conceived. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move on in us and through us. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us and deposit into us. Yeah. Are you prepared to let the Holy Spirit come and rest on you? The Holy Spirit's in us. 
Like that's part of our salvation and part of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. There's a coming on and, a, and, a, and a, a, um, a sitting on top of, a resting of the Holy Spirit that comes that allows for a place of miracles to occur, a healing, um, a place to receive from God what he has for you. So what's the purpose of miracles? They're my three points. You want to live a life of miracles? I wanted to keep it nice and enjoyable as we're going into Christmas, nothing too heavy like Christmas dinner. So we want to be praying, we want to be expecting, and we want to let God, the Holy Spirit, come and rest over us and work through us. So they're the three things we want to continue I actually really believe that this church has had seasons of miracles. But I think going into next year, I really believe that we're actually going to be going into this place where we're going to see miracles happen constantly. But what's the purpose of them? Are they just for us? Sometimes they are just for us, but not really. Miracles are for everyone. Miracles are for the unbeliever. So if you're praying for someone who maybe needs to be healed... When God heals them, it's an opportunity. It's their line in the sand, so to speak, where they get to decide, oh, my goodness, God just touched me. Am I going to believe that what just happened happened? They, they can sense the presence of God. Are we going to step out and let those experiences happen? Miracles for us have been saved for many years, are very similar to the altars that they built, the Israelites. They're a testimony to what God's done along our journey. Have you, you remember the Israelites when they, they'd go through the battle, they'd build these um, rock altars and they'd burn the sacrifice there. In our lives, you, if you think about it, you can, you can name the parts where God's touched, touched your life, healed you. I can tell you different experiences that even I've had this year, I go, you know what, God, you answered that before I even asked. And I, I remember that and I hold on to that knowing that my faith will be greater to believe for the next miracle, to stretch out my own faith and to pray for someone who might need a miracle. So a season of miracles is Christmas. Where have I gone? If you go back to um, Luke, Luke 1.65, it talks about John and Elizabeth and their neighbours. So obviously they hadn't been able to have this baby and then all of a sudden... Elizabeth's pregnant and now she's had this child. And John 1.65 says, And all the neighbours were filled with awe and threw out the whole country of Judea. Who is this child going to be? For God was with him. So even this miracle was for the people. Even though the miracle was received by Zechariah and Elizabeth, the miracle stretched out and the neighbours knew about it, knew about the goodness of God and something was going on. Then all of Judea heard about it. Does your life speak like that, the miracles God's done? The things that he's been working and doing through you? We've had an awesome year with chaplaincy this year. I have to say it's got nothing to do with me. (laughs) All to do with the wonderful people that serve and, and give in our community. But I've seen God this year answer prayers that I have. I wouldn't even have said I prayed them, but I spoke them in faith. In front of people, I'd declare something and I'd go, and God would instantly change that. We've had schools come on board paying for their own chaplains. We've had 
just a turn. We've had healings happening with our chaplain. Just this week, we've had one of our chaplain's family members sick. And we've been really believing that God would hear our prayer. That for the purpose of the miracle, that these, these family members would see that God was real. And that's what we want for our community. We want them to know that miracles and God, our God is real. He's alive today. God's alive in us, but he's alive in them too. And that's the steps that we need to take. We as a church, we need to pray. And I think that this year we've seen some amazing things happen as a result of us coming together on those Tuesday nights and coming and praying. Our church needs to expect expect that God will meet people where they're at. That's the other thing. You can't expect that a person's going to be in a certain place to receive a miracle. You've just got to let God be God. Their theology doesn't have to be right. Sometimes it's a little screwed up, actually. But that's okay. God will meet someone where they're at and change their heart. We need to let the Holy Spirit come upon us and move in us and through us, not just in this place, but as we go into our workplaces and to our schools. We need to give opportunities for miracles to point to God. Let everything that you do in your life point to him. I'm just going to pray if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your only son, Father God, that we could experience his love and, and, and the price, Father God, that he paid, that we can have a relationship with you. But Father God, we see the miracles that you did at the birth of your son. We see the miracles that he did throughout his life, Father God. And we know that you're at work. You're at work in us. You're at work in your people and you're at work in this church and this community. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would just move by your spirit upon us, that we'd be bold, Father God, that we would, that we would pray, Father God, for those that we meet in the streets even, that your healing touch would touch them, Father God. That as we're bold, Father God, to point others to you, that we'd be able to share the testimony of those things that you've done in our lives, the restorations that have happened, Father God. We pray that you would go exceedingly above, Father God, all that we've even could ask of you that you, Father God, would hear our cry, that you would hear our hearts tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. That's it. Brilliant. How about we let Kate jump on the piano? Multi, multitasking and all the team. But we just stand together, hey? That would be great. wonder what the, tonight, um, you know, the, what would you be seeking to see happen? What would be the thing that you would say, Father, I just... <laughs> And not just for your purposes, but maybe for the good of maybe your family or for the sake of people seeing Jesus Christ. And what would you stand up for tonight and say, yeah, God, just your hand upon this circumstance, your hand in this situation. Maybe it's healing for your body tonight. Maybe there's a need of a family member coming to Christ. Maybe there needs to be a change or something in 2019. I wonder if tonight you just need to come before him and just stand here at the altar and say, Father, I'm believing for that to happen. It'll be a miracle if it does, but I'm going to trust you. It's stepping out sometimes and just coming expecting. You might say, oh, gee, how could that ever happen? But I want to say it all starts with a step of faith, a simple step of faith. And if you're here tonight to say, yep, I need that miracle. I, I, I challenge you just to come forward and let's just pray together. Let's believe God 
and what He can do. Let's stretch our faith a little bit further tonight, not just be satisfied with, oh, I'm okay, <laughs> I'm good enough, but no, let's let Him be God in our lives and do a miracle. Come on. So let's worship just for a moment. And uh, you're welcome to come. I just like to believe. Um, I think as Kate was preaching, I just sense that there were some things there that really struck a chord in your heart. And you'd love to see happen, but you say, is it possible? Is it, didn't the angel say to Mary, everything's impossible for God. Everything is possible. So let's just come tonight. Just one more song and let's worship Him for a moment. And you come. Yeah.